Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed Back print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1234 in Edmonton. Welcome back. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stauffer with the Oilers in Arizona. Optional practice before tonight's game as Edmonton opens up a four-game road trip. Tonight against the Coyotes, the Oilers have won six of the last seven against these two teams. Uh, the team will fly tonight after the game into uh, Los Angeles. They'll play the Kings Saturday night. Uh, Anaheim Sunday. It's a 5 o'clock puck drop Edmonton time. And then Tuesday in San Jose. Monday night, I'm going to the national championship game. Alabama and Clemson, third time those two programs have met in the national, third time national championship game, uh, fourth consecutive year <laughs> that they will have met. So, because they played last year in the national semifinal. All right, some guests on our show received gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Now open for lunch Monday through Friday at 11:30 a.m. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Rebecca and the staff, and uh, Brendan and all the folks at Roos Chris orders now sent you. We are pleased to be joined on the line. Happy New Year! It is former Oilers player and coach now. Uh, Lead analyst for Hockey Night in Canada, Craig Simpson. Hello, Craig. How are you? I'm doing well, Bob. Uh, I'm sure a little uh, better than you, having to go through the last six games and the last five-game homestand. Hasn't been an easy one for you. No. Uh, you know what? It comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. I would say it, you know, it, it, it is all relative, right? I mean, hey, man. As a player that, unlike you, uh, or a kid unlike you that didn't have the kind of ability to play in the NHL, I mean, these these jobs, you're privileged to have them. Uh, the combination of jobs is unique, and the situation in Edmonton is unique, because people here know. And so there's a lot of frustration, and sometimes uh, you end up on the negative end of that, and that's kind of, even though you're somewhat... Uh, I mean, you're completely uh, at the mercy of uh, the management, the coaching, the players. and So you don't get in pack things the way you do. But let's get right to it here. Six straight losses for Ken Hitchcock. I mean, it's been a year of runs for Edmonton. They didn't look good in their first two games. I remember hosting the show in New York on a Friday. And everybody was like, oh, you know, we're, we're, they got to fire everybody. And Edmonton won an ugly one in New York, came back against Winnipeg, started to win some overtime games, and then Todd McClellan's team went 8-2-1, and and everything chilled out. And then uh, the Oilers had a tough back-to-back, Washington-Tampa, and that started a stretch where they lost five out of six, and Talbot had three, at least three tough starts during yep. that run, and, and Todd got fired. Hitch comes in, Oilers win some close games, 9-2-2 two and two for Hitch at one stage. Now six straight losses combined, obviously, with some injuries on defense and some key ones. I gave the numbers on some other teams that didn't have their top D. There are better teams than Edmonton, deeper teams. Um, But I think you would agree with what Ken Hitchcock says, Craig. It all does start with the defense for this team, doesn't it? Yeah, I listened to his press conference yesterday. I think you had it at the beginning of the show and just talking about checking being their problem, uh, defensive play, you know, can't can't stop the cycle, can't stop uh, 
you know, the momentum swings that happen when you turn over. I, I would say I, I watched the game over again yesterday, and if you're a fan who loves dissecting the game, you, you know, even tonight you could watch again. But if you watched the last game and look specifically at different forechecks of the Oilers or individual puck battles for the puck. And, uh, you know, what's amazing to me, and I, I've, I've harped on this so often in our show when you and I have talked, and, you know, yep. something that I've always focused on, good teams have, have good sticks, have good puck retrieval, uh, know how to win a battle, you know, part body. You always have to assess the battle. Do I have the physical advantage if I do? I can come in and be physical, but make sure you end up with the puck. If you have a physical disadvantage, then you have to be really smart with your stick and your body positioning. I go back and watch that last game, and you know it, it seems like a ridiculously high number, but I would almost say in those critical battles, whether it's trying to get in and establish a forecheck where the defenseman has his back to you, he's pinned against the boards, I would say they lost 80% of those battles. And some of it was pure inefficiency. Uh, some of it was lack of effort. Uh, some of it was just a, a combination of both. And, you know, I, I think listening to, to Ken's press conference yesterday after practice, I think that's where, you know, that discussion comes from. He, he mentioned specifically the bottom end. You know, obviously the top end is scoring at a pretty, what, two points uh, gain pace with Dreisaitl and McDavid. But it's it's what you're giving up on the other side that's just inexcusable. And, you know, that's how you lose games. This, this 0 for 6 run, uh, you know, they've had a power play clicking at 35.7%. You know, that should be able to win you some games. But you're giving up four goals a game uh, in eight of your last nine. And uh, I just... You know, people listening to you and I talk must be sick of me saying this because I'm an offensive-minded person, but I, I can tell you from being around a team and trying to find what wins and seeing games on a weekly basis, if, if you can't win those individual puck battles, if you can't defend with good sticks and take away shooting lanes, take away passing lanes, this is what you end up with. And uh, I think this stretch has just been a horrible stretch in that regard with the way that this team has played, and there's your end result because of it. And you highlighted the fact, you, you know, you didn't just talk about the defense. You talked about the yeah. forwards' inability to win. Um, you know, there's so the exasperation from the fans here um, is you make a deal, Strom for Spooner, okay? And I would argue that maybe at, I'm not sure who's and, and people will say, well, you know what? It's uh, not a very good player for not a very good player. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's what that's what some people would say simplistically, but yeah. I would argue back. Well, at least Strom could play center and yeah. was a right shot faceoff guy, and he'd committed a bit to learning how to PK. Yeah. And if Peter Shirelli doesn't know Ryan Spooner, who does? Yeah. And that's like when I'm watching Reiner. Here, Craig, Craig I, I don't care what guys do off the ice, okay? I don't. I, I don't, like, boys are going to be boys. That's fine. What I care about is how hard you work in practice and how hard you work in the games. And fans here are way too smart, and they know who's working. And when they watch Ryan Spooner out there and see him turn pucks over and not come close to winning puck battles, yeah. and that's the guy you picked up for Strom, and now you've had to change your center uh, slotting, 
you can understand why, like, if Spooner's not scoring, you can understand why there's frustration from the fans. Yeah, well, and here's where you put yourself on the, on you know, your head on the block, so to speak, as a general manager. It was obviously one that surprised me, surprised you, surprised a lot of people. It kind of came out of nowhere. It was one that obviously Peter with his uh, past feeling of Spooner or knowing him or having him in Boston, felt it was worth the risk. But those are ones that you do, you know, you take that risk, you make that deal, a seemingly innocuous one that didn't necessarily look like a, a, an opportunity to win. When it doesn't go well, that's, that's on your hands. And I, I would throw into the mix when you said the fact that uh, uh, Strom was getting comfortable playing center, could play in that role. It's exasperated when you look at uh, the play of Kyle Brodziak, who, you know, another signing. You understand that you got to fill the roles with cheaper guys and guys who will come here, and you're not going to get necessarily the, the top free agents when you don't have the budget to, to do it. But that's been a bit of a hole as well, and, and that gets even accentuated when you don't have a guy like Strom that maybe if Brodziak is struggling – now Strom could play in that center role and maybe do a better job. So those are the kind of deals that, you know, come back to bite you. And they, I would say it hasn't been a stretch where Peter's been able to hit a home run on anything. And, uh, you know, listening to the conversation of the deals with, with uh, Petrovic and Manning, you, you know, you know that you're not going to be able to make uh, a sort of side deal to get a top D, but clearly with, the injuries they had in the fall that they were having, they wanted at least some experience, some physical play, some size. And, you know, there's another one that you probably had to spend more because everybody in the league knew you were in a bad position. Uh, but hopefully maybe you can stop the bleeding over this four-game road trip and try to settle things down as those two guys settle into their games. Well, let's, let's simplify here. Ryan Strom was traded 17 games into the season for Edmonton, Okay. He was playing 14.24 per game for the Oilers. At the time of that trade, Brodziak was playing 10.22. So Brodziak missed the game in Calgary, came back, got back in the lineup and played against. Uh, actually, I'm I'm trying to think. I, I'm not. Yeah, I think he played against Vegas. But the point I'm making here is Brodziak is now playing 12.43. Yeah. He was playing 10.22 for the first 20 or so games. So he's basically gone from 10 to 14 minutes, and at 34 years of age. That, I think, for him, with all due respect to him, is a bit of a challenge. And it might be why, at times, you know, he's, he loses, you know, he lost a face-off the other night. They scored two goals off face-off plays. He was minus two in the game. Like, I still think he can be a useful player at 9 to 11 minutes, which is where I think he was initially, yeah. right, to be slotted yeah, in, and, right? And the problem, you know, has really been the and you've you've said it, I think, probably every day this week and every day last week and probably the yeah. week before is the fact that uh, there's there's no secret that there's just been a dark uh, black hole of, you know, secondary scoring, secondary, um, even as, as Ken Hitchcock was saying, it's not necessarily, you know, scoring is a bonus from your bottom six. Uh, you still need it to win some games that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. Uh, but when you not only don't get the scoring, you don't get the momentum push. You, you know, you don't have your third line come out with a good energy shift or your fourth line so often. I mean, how many teams 
have a fourth line that's literally just out there to play seven, eight minutes, but you hope that they can create a little energy and get uh, the puck into the offensive zone, bang some bodies, and then maybe McDavid comes out and catches a line that is tired and a bad matchup, and you score. And, you know, that's what you hope from that bottom. And you've said the stats, you know, they're, they're just horrific in the sense of not only are you not getting the goals now, but you've got guys maybe cheating a little bit because of it. And defensively, that's where your shortcomings have really stood out. So, you know, it, it is the moves of the last few days with Peter making those deals are, are clearly a spot where the general manager knows, you know, I, I can't sit and just wait. His job is definitely on the line. You've got to try to not just sit and get through it. You've got to try to make a little change. And, you know, you're hopeful here that if, if the bodies trickle back, maybe you can piece it together. But, Bob, you got 22 games uh, until the trade deadline. And, you know, you have to think that you got to get into that next 10 to 12 games and make sure, you know, you win seven, eight, nine of those and yeah. try to make sure you're in a position that you're not putting your general manager into the spot that's saying, man, we're going to have to blow this thing up and be a seller. And that could be a tough scenario if – if you're thinking that the GM is going to be on the spot of, of maybe losing his job. So this is really a critical four-game stretch and three of them against divisional guys where you got to find a way to get your game back on track. All right, Craig, we're going to do this. Brendan's got some numbers just because I didn't want to be unrealistic with my preseason projections. Yep. So, Brendan, Brendan, we mentioned the fact seven goals from the, the top three right wings and two of the top three left wings at the start of the year. So, again, those players would be uh, Raddy, Pugliarvi, Yamamoto on the right side, Lucic and Reeder on the left side. Seven combined goals from those five players. Uh, Nugent Hopkins started the year left wing. What numbers did you have for the five guys that we mentioned that uh, we ran with at the start of the year? Okay, so we're going to go in uh, order of most points that you projected here, Bob. So Lucic, in your opinion, was going to have 18 goals, 28 assists, 46 points. Uh, Yessi, 18 goals for Yessi, 23 assists, 41 points. Reader, another 18 goals, 15 assists for 33. And uh, Raddy, 8-11 for 19. Yamamoto, 7-11 for 18. Well, I would argue that... uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I would argue that both Yamamoto and uh, Ratty might hit those numbers. The other three guys aren't going to come close. And, yeah. You know, uh, I, it, it, again, Greg, if, if I told you back on October the 1st, seven combined goals from Ratty, Pogliarvi, Yamamoto, Lucic, and Reader, 39 games in the season, what would you have said? Well, yeah, definitely a not, and especially when you've had an opportunity. You know, every now and then you get, even if it's just an extended shift by McDavid, you find yourself out there with him, and can you not make something happen? Or, uh, you know, Nugent Hopkins in a position where you might get an extended shift and get a goal or get something happening. You get a chance on a power play. I mean, it really has... You can never um, plan for disastrous years from individuals. And as I've said so many times, uh, it can't always be on the general manager or on the coach for those individuals. Those guys got to take responsibility for not living up to their end of the bargain. Um, And it's, you know, now all of a sudden, if you're Lucic, you've got to somehow erase 
you know, you, you literally have to do some deep soul searching, get some help from, a, uh, you know, a, a psychiatrist type, uh, sports psychiatrist. Wow. Well, you do because you're, you know, there's nothing more debilitating than being in a game and knowing what's going on with your year. And, you know, you still got half the season left. So there has to be some way to uh, wipe the slate clean and start fresh and see if you can rescue something. And, and that's totally on the player. And it's it's on the coach to make some tinkering. I, I heard you say that uh, Cassian, okay, so Cassian gets yet another chance to prove that, you know, for a short time, can he do something? Can he be a spark plug? And so what you watch for there is, you know, does Zach have that ability now to understand what his shortcomings have been this season and go out and say, if you're playing with those guys, what do you have to do? Well, you have to probably forecheck hard every single time you get out on the ice, keep your legs moving. You've got to hit a body. You've got to distribute the puck to your your two top players you're playing with and get to the net and create some havoc. And if you can't simplify your game and do that when you get this opportunity, you know, I quite frankly don't know where you go from there with the player because in in the course of a season that's been the way it is, when you're a player that gets the opportunity, whether it be for one game or one period, and, uh, you know, I can guarantee you the coach will be looking in that first period, the first few shifts of, you know, what do you understand you have to do to stay on this line? And that'll be intriguing to watch because if I was a young player like that, and I guess he's not that young anymore, but you'd say, you know, understand what you have to do to try to stay in that position. And maybe you'll get lucky where you get a tap in or you get a rebound and all of a sudden you can find some traction and find some confidence. This text comes from Epstein's mother on our Heartland Ford text line. Bob, how could you have Reader with 18 goals? Well, the last four years, he had 13, 14, 16, and 12. You would hope he playing was, with McDavid, he'd be able to tap in. Or, or, or Dreisaitl, like he was yeah. going to play. I thought he was going to play. And in terms of Lucic, he was going to be on the first power play unit to start the year. That's yeah. why I had him. And with Paul Yarby, and maybe I'm, you know, I thought he could, you know, that there was going to be a step forward. It has yeah. not happened. Craig has not happened for him, and it's got to be concerning. But you know what? I, at this time last year, you know, the Vancouver Canucks had a guy in Jake Vertanen who was drafted sixth overall, who was 20. Yep. He finished with 10 goals all last season, and now he's taken. And he's North American, so, you know, it's, so, but, yep. The disturbing thing for me is uh, collectively as a team, I go back to the last four games. I'll do this quick because I know we're getting close. But it's, it's the lack of mental, like if you watch the times that the team has given up either two quick goals or a goal yep. against after scoring. Go back to Tampa, two goals against in a minute 32, the game's basically over. Next night against Vancouver, it's a 2-1 game in the second period. The last two minutes of the period, you give up two goals in a minute one. I mean, this is back-to-back against San Jose. Score first and then give up a goal against 16 seconds later. You know, all you have to do is watch Hitch's reaction on the bench. Last game, two goals against in a minute 23 of Winnipeg. Then you tie the game and give up 129 seconds later. I, I mean, that to me, it must drive the coaching staff crazy. But even if you're coaching peewee hockey, you know, you always say that next shift, be ready right from the start. And, and that to me is probably the most disappointing thing and troubling thing is those lacks 
those lapses of either concentration or intensity or awareness of just where this game is going. And all of a sudden you find yourself out of the game or chasing the game. You score a goal, you get excited, you're celebrating. 16 seconds later, you're back to a tie game again or you're down by one. Those are the kind of things that are, those get coaches fired and those are just killers for the morale uh, of your team. And one of the reasons why you can never really find yourself getting those tracks. That's how you get a six-game losing streak. When you look at those last four games and look at that game within the game is, is how things can go badly so quickly. Great, great stuff. Uh, appreciate your time. Where are you this week? Uh, I got Vancouver in Toronto. So uh, looking forward to seeing Vancouver sort of at the end of their six-game road trip. That'll be the sixth game. So we'll see what they got left in the tank. Terrific stuff, Greg. Thank you for your time. All right. See you later. That is Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers. It's 12.54 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. This is Oilers Now. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6.30 Chad. 12.57 in Edmonton. Uh, you can book with New West Travel Oilers fans. Join us on a couple of road trips coming up. One in Nashville, one in Vegas. See the Oilers playing two of the most exciting arenas in the NHL. These Oilers Now packages include airfare accommodation, great game tickets, including a private suite in Vegas, all your transportation. We'll have a welcome reception with myself and special guests. And trust me, we've had great guests before. And parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. Limited space to get on these roadies to Nashville and Vegas. They're kickers, let me tell you. For the Oilers Now road trips, call the travel experts at New West Travel. 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. We'll get to NHL today at 105. You'll hear from Rick Tockett, uh, Brandon Manning, Leon Dreisaitl, Alex Galchenyuk, all in the next hour of the show, as well as your text. And, hey, a shout-out to St. Albert's Midget AAA team, which won the Max Midget AAA tournament. They beat uh, Lethbridge in the final. I think Lethbridge has a kid on their team that went like in the top eight of the WHL draft last year. But uh, anyhow, uh, St. Albert gets the victory. Well done, boys. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.